You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, No Man is an Island. Thursday. I'm at a local bookstore doing a reading. When it's over, I mill around. I fall asleep listening to your radio show, a woman says approaching me. And in case the point's been lost, she adds, Your voice, it puts me to sleep. People come up to me, either asking me to sign their books or sharing with me their thoughts, their ruthlessly brutal thoughts. You have a face for radio, another woman gleefully tells me. When I try to change the subject, asking her if she has a book she'd like me to sign, she tells me no, that she's waiting to buy a used copy. Then a man comes up to me and tells me he enjoys yelling at the radio when I'm on it. You always sound so sad, complaining about your problems, he says. Cheer up already. The main difference between talking to the radio and talking to the person on the radio is that the person has feelings, feelings that will keep him up at night. The person on the radio will stay up worrying about the next time he'll have to appear in public and be exposed to the casual cruelty of well-meaning strangers. Friday, 8 a.m. I awake, reluctant to go back out into the world where merely being in public can feel like sitting on one of those carnival dunking chairs, alone in a wet bathing suit and waiting to be plopped into the water for no other reason than that you are there and within shooting distance. But alas, I have to get to work for an interview at 10. I'll be speaking with Patry Friedman, former Google software engineer and grandson of Nobel Prize-winning economist Milton Friedman. Hi, uh, Patry Friedman? That's me. We'll be talking about Patry's latest project, something called the Seasteading Institute, which aims to create hundreds of self-governed countries, actual autonomous nations on man-made islands in the ocean. Patry believes the ocean is the next frontier for human settlement. Cities on the ocean could actually be reshuffled in this kind of dynamic way where if I didn't like how things were going in my local government, I could take my house or my office or my factory and actually tug it over to some different ocean city. So when people and factories and offices are that mobile, then governments will have to do a good job of serving their customers. Otherwise, the customers will leave. And, I mean, this isn't just a matter of, uh, you know, floating out into international waters so you could uh, have monkey fights and whatnot. There's, um, there's certain kinds of societies that you're envisioning testing on these island structures, right? That's right. I mean, one of the things that we're about is, is not that we think we have some specific vision of a better society, but we think a world in which many small groups can go try out their own visions of a better society so we can see whether any of them actually work would be a better world. I mean, a lot of people seem to assume that a social democracy is the best you can do, and we don't think it is. Winston Churchill said democracy was the worst form of government except for all others which have been tried, and a lot of people seem to view that as the end of the story, and we believe that that's just the beginning of the story. And what do you, I mean, give me a little taste here. I mean, what are you imagining? Well, personally, I'm a libertarian, so I'd like to see a country with a lot less rules and regulations that operates on the principle of non-aggression that says that it's not okay to use force on people, even if it's for their own good or someone else's good. I mean, I understand that a lot of people 
like the basis for our current societies, and, and it, it fits their ideas of justice and sense of morality, but it doesn't fit mine, and, and I hate it. I hate, you know, waking up every day and, and going out in a society that is based on different moral principles than I have, and I just want to live in the way that I consider moral openly among people who share my sense of justice and, and what a society should be like. And and do you expect to be living on one of these islands within your lifetime? I don't know if I'd say expect. I'd say hope. I mean, I think that the odds are against desteading working. I mean, waves are big, powerful things. The surface of the ocean is always moving. It's like trying to base your building on a continuous earthquake. So I see it as a long shot, but a long shot that if it works, will dramatically change the world for the better, so one that's worth taking. And I mean, and if it were never to come about in your lifetime, do you think you could? Do you think you could be happy? I don't know. I I think if if it if it didn't work out, I would turn to some other way of accomplishing the same thing. Maybe space. Space. Space has all the same characteristics that I think will make for for more competition between governments. It's 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 big and open and unclaimed, and you can move huge things around and rearrange them, even more cheaply and easily than on the oceans. Now you're really starting to blow my mind. (laughs) Space is next. The ocean is practice. Well, thanks for talking to me, Patry. You're welcome. Hello. Jonathan Goldstein, radio star. Hi, Howard. I just heard you on the radio. Well, I have a radio show, Howard. Super interesting segment there about making your own country. You listened to that. I just thought that was really stupendous. That's when so- I've asked you to listen to my radio show before, you've told me that you couldn't because you don't even own a radio. You said that stuff's for poor people who can't afford a TV. Well, funny story. Mm-hmm. I was getting ready for a garage sale, and I know your place is full of junk. And I went by your house, and there it was this nice radio. I grabbed you're, that wait a second. And... You're talking about my 1937 Australian AWA Fisk tombstone? It's kind of an old piece of garbage. It kind of looked like to me. Howard, th- that thing was given to me as a prize at an Australian radio conference. That's like a $1,000 radio. That old box? Okay, look, Howard, don't even touch it. I'm coming over to your house right now to get I'm it. I'm touching it right now as I'm talking to you. No, no, Howard. I'm trying to put the knob back on. Okay, Howard, it doesn't seem to... don't touch it anymore. I'm coming right over, all right? Uh, all right. Uh, just make sure you bring your passport, by the way. Excuse me? I'm founding my own country. I listened to that guy that was on the show. I was riveted while I was sitting there. I'm really going to take his advice. What? What That's do you... kind of kick in the pants I need. Okay, Howard, I think you might have misheard, all right? No, 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 no. He was not suggesting you, Howard Chakowitz, make he your own... He was suggesting. He was saying, go make your own country. Everyone, you, 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 no. get up, get out of your chair. Found your own country, and that's what I'm going to do. Okay, no, Howard, I don't think you're equipped to make your own country. This is a man who, you know, has college degrees, and, you know, he's engaging in a social experiment. Oh, oh, I see. Of course. What does the working man who's got dirt under his nails know of building a country? Okay, Howard, Nothing. Who... No, you know what? Let's leave the country building to all the people with degrees, because they know what people need. Right, John? Okay, Howard, who, who's going to be in this country of yours? Me. And? Me. It's a country of one. It's my country. One planet, one world. Howardville. 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 Like Margaritaville, but with Howard. Right. I have a strong vision of tomorrow. What? What is that? What is your vision of tomorrow? But t- tomorrow, tomorrow? Yeah. Well, nothing really. Tomorrow's a holiday. 
mm-hmm. just taking it easy tomorrow in Howardville. But, you know, soon we'd like to join the U.N. So you're, let, let me get this. So your country would extend, what, the limits of your apartment? That'll be my country, yeah. Imagine a whole country carpeted wall to wall. Okay, and what would be the currency of, of this country? I'm thinking Star Trek figurines or bacon. Bacon, uh-huh. Another economic incentive would be like, you know, it's rotting in your wallet. You've got to get rid of that bacon, keep that bacon moving. And citizens of Howardville would have full access to all public institutions. Which are? Things like national health care. I'd have that. And, and what would that be? My medicine cabinet. I have Band-Aids and peroxide. Mm-hmm. We have a great transportation system. I mean, you can really walk from one side of the country to the other in about 14 steps. Yeah. I've also kind of designed a flag. Oh, that's that would be key. Yeah, no, I agree. I was even halfway through the interview, and I got so inspired, I just started ripping the sheets off my bed. I was just like sewing and hammering and stapling. I felt like a modern-day Betsy Ross. So what what is on this flag? Well, it's going to be Scooby-Doo because there's Scooby-Doo bed sheets. Your your national flag is going to be Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo bed sheets, yeah. Okay, Howard, I'm going to let you get back to your... Hey, John, now that I have you on the phone, uh-huh. you want to come over to Howardville for our first-ever Independence Day celebration? Independence from what, Howard? Reality? The traditional festivities involve watching wrestling on television and consuming the national dish. Which is? It's my own kind of concoction. It's tzatziki cake. It's basically a pureed souvlaki that's then baked. But, Howard, you've always said that, you know, you were a proud Canadian. What's happening to that? I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to keep strong relations with Canada. Oh, do you? Right outside the borders of Howardville is Canada. But it's just not me. Literally, it is not me. But I can make a country that is me, Howardville. Howard, that's not the, the point of having a country is to grow a population, you know, to create a society and not to just have one guy who wants to get out of bed whenever he feels like it and wants to make pants uh, optional. Well, you know, I'm, for me, creating my own country, it wasn't so much about trying to grow a population, but more for the idea of getting to compose my own national anthem. That's why you wanted to start your own country. Yeah, that was that was a big draw for me. You know, and I feel the time has come for there to be like a rap national anthem. Oh, uh, uh, from my roots as a hip-hop artist, MC Hummer. Right. I mean, I had some ideas. I don't know if you want to hear a little bit of that, but... All right, Howard, let's hear your anthem. Maybe give me a little beatbox there. I have I to can... give you beatbox? I don't well, do beatbox, Howard. Come on, do a little beatbox. I... It's a national anthem. You have to sing it together. You know, I figure half the crowd will be like human beatboxing, the other half will be rapping. It's kind of like something that will bring citizens of Howardville together. All right, okay, you ready? Yeah. Doom, psh, doom, doom, psh, doom. Howardville, the place to fill. Come and chill in Howardville. Sit still. No hill. No bill. Howardville. Wanna eat? Take a seat. Zublaki. Zaki. Wacky to backy. The bill of power. Monday, July 15th. While Howardville is holding steady at a population of one, Nation Goldstein is now officially one citizen bigger. My sister has just had a baby, and we all meet up at her hospital room. I've never been in a room where so many members of my family are so happy all at once. Usually, maybe one or two are happy at any given time, while the rest hold down the fort, remaining dyspeptic, dysphoric, or boldly struggling to maintain a nice, even level of dispiritedness. 
Tolstoy once wrote that every unhappy family is unhappy in its own unique way, but that happy families are all alike. This is not so, as is evidenced by my father, who is smilingly biting into a home-brought chicken sandwich while seated atop an upturned waste paper basket, and my mother, who is rubbing disinfectant soap onto her lips in preparation of kissing the newborn. We all stand around for hours, happily staring at the baby and clutching our chests. How strange to feel yourself falling in love with someone you've only just met, and how endlessly fascinating it is to watch someone getting used to being alive. Though perhaps even more fascinating, we'll be watching someone get used to becoming a member of our family. Tuesday, July 23rd. It's the day of my nephew Justin's bris. It's only 5.30 a.m., but I'm very anxious about the whole thing and can't sleep. After the last bris I attended, it was days before I could pry my hands out of my pocket. I decide to just get out of bed and make my way over to the synagogue. I'm the first guest to arrive, and so I hang out with the moyle. As he prepares his tools, we make small talk, and at a certain point, he tells me why he got into moiling in the first place. But before he can get very far, and with my heart racing because I know it might very well be the only time I'll ever get the chance to use this line on an actual moil, I blurt out, For the tips? The moil doesn't laugh, which doesn't make sense to me. The context is perfect, and my timing impeccable. I conclude that to be a good moil, you must always be on guard against the peril of shaking with laughter. Sunday, October 11th. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and when I show up at the Greek restaurant, my family is already there, seated at the table. We sit there, not really talking, just sort of staring at Justin, who is now three months old. We constantly worry for his comfort and safety, and so every time he shifts in his baby seat, we clutch our hearts and mop the sweat from our brows with fistfuls of napkin. I love him so much it hurts, my sister says, her hand on her mouth. Me too, my father says. It actually physically hurts. It's like someone is beating me with sandbags, my mother says. With me, it's more of a stabbing, my father counters. I love him so much, my aunt says. It's like having a serrated blade corkscrewed into my side. Not one to be outdone, my sister weighs in. I love him so much, I feel like I'm drowning in love and can't breathe. She demonstrates the sensation by making gagging and gasping noises while scratching at the air. As we eat, my father accidentally tips a plate of olive oil onto his lap. Pretty soon afterwards, my aunt somehow manages to drip the wax from the candelabra onto her pants. And when I look over at my mother, she is wearing a bib of smeared sadiki sauce across the chest of her black turtleneck. Ironically, it is the baby who proves to be the neatest eater among us. Truly, it feels like Justin is the best of us all. I look over at him, and he smiles a little smile at me that fills my heart with so much love. It's as though I have had my eyes sprayed with acid and my heart stabbed with a salad fork. 
I reach across the table for another soothing spoonful of Salada, and as I do, I drag my jacket sleeve through a puddle of spilled gravy. It feels like the final brushstroke to a happy family portrait. Hey, Mom. What's the matter? No, nothing's the matter. I'm just, I was just calling to say hi. Oh, you made me nervous, John. What, how did, what, just calling you up on the telephone makes you nervous? I don't know. <laughs> Everything okay, sweetie? Yeah, yeah, everything's good. I, I wanted to ask you something. Yeah? Um, is, uh, is Dad around? I figure I can ask both of you at the same Dad! time. Pick up the phone! It's Johnny! Hello? Hey, Dad. Hi, Johnny. How are you doing? You can't complain. It's good. Um, things are good. Yeah? You know, I haven't actually asked you guys this. I just wanted to know uh, how it feels to be grandparents. Oh, it feels wonderful, Johnny. Oh, my God. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a very intense feeling. Yeah? When I have him on my arms, I, I, I smell his head, I kiss him. You know, it's just... It's like when you're in love the first time. In love, right. It's like falling in love. I'm in puppy, like puppy love. It hurts. It's almost painful, Johnny. Yeah. It's painful. And I realize now how much my grandparents loved me. When I was a child, I was I felt very well loved. Now I realize just how much I was loved. And dad, do you do you think yeah. about your grandparents? Well, you know what, Johnny? My grandmother who lived with us. I used to, I, I used to uh, you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't respect her the way I should have. Now, when it's too late, now I sit here at age almost 75, I respect her. You know? You wish you could live your life over, but you can't. This is sort of like a second chance. How, how do you mean? To do things right. You know? To do what we didn't do for our own children. To try to be different emotionally and, 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 and in terms of relationships and in terms of behavior. Do, do you feel like it's it's uh it's changed? I mean, because I I sort of feel like it's changed you guys. You both have become um, happier than I I think I've ever seen you. Yeah, we're happy. Yeah. Is that weird? Is that strange? It's such a love overtakes you. Uh, could we you. call it an epiphany? I guess the only way I could describe it, Johnny. Uh, 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 like a blinding light, or something that wakes you up, something that that. It's an appreciation. These, these are a lot of things, and the only way that I could describe these things. Has it changed how you relate to Dad? And, well, we're and... closer now. Yeah, we're closer now. We both have the same goals. We don't argue as much like... You know, we share the same feelings. I could say to your mother, how do you feel now? Do you understand the ache that I have? Yes, I do, because I ache too when I don't see him. You know, you know when you're young and you're waiting for your boyfriend to call you? Well, that's how I feel till I see Justin. Oh, God, I love him so much. So, so wh which of you guys would you say, you know, loves the baby most? I think I do, Johnny. I think I do. No, I do. I do. No, I do. I do. No, 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 I do. I do. No, I not. love him. I love him. Wait, what? No, yeah. But, yeah, I but love him. Mine is more concrete. Well, I love him, he's too. Like he's I, have a, I love him, too.
Hello. How was the dinner at your apartment last night? It was a disaster. Why, you didn't serve fish chunks, did you? It was supposed to be a nice, intimate soiree of fellow co-workers at the station, and it turned into a... It turned into a very uncomfortable affair. What are you talking about, an intimate soiree? I thought you said you were going to have a date. No, I never said I was going to... You know, and, 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 and that probably explains the very inappropriate mixtape that you made for me. You told me you had your first date in months, and I said, no. I'll make you a mixtape. I never... Are you claiming you have no memory of this conversation? No, where I you have said, no... I have no music in my house? What kind of a mixtape is that? You know, I went into the kitchen to, to finish basting the roast... And when I came back out, everyone was putting on their coats and making excuses about having to leave. I don't know what you're talking about. It was all great music. You don't know what I'm talking about. No. You don't know what I'm talking about. I just said no. Okay, what are here, you here, listen to this. Hang on a second. Hello there, pretty lady. You're with Johnny now. Doesn't that make you feel pretty? Being with gentle Johnny? And Johnny knows how to be gentle with you. You are one lucky lady. One fine lucky lady. And luck will be a lady tonight. Lucky Johnny's lady. You still don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, what's the problem? I love that song. What's the problem? Gregor, do you hear yourself? First of all, I was talking to your date, and second of all, that was subliminal messaging, so I don't even know what you're talking about, because you're not even supposed to listen to that. It's supposed to be subliminal. It's how, you're talking directly to your unconscious, or in this case, the unconscious of your imaginary date, who you didn't even have. I wasn't supposed to have, Gregor. Look, Johnny, I don't know what kind of cockamamie home stereo you have, but on a real home stereo, the mix was fine. I played it here. You could hardly hear my voice over. The mix was fine? Yeah, the mix was fine. The it mix was, was fine. The, mix. You listen to this. It, it gets worse. Mmm, you're in Johnny's house now. Smooth-talking Johnny. Johnny who moved in like a viper and separated you from your friends at the bar. Not because you're drunker than the rest. Don't be ridiculous. It's because you're so extra pretty. That's how smooth Johnny works. Like a smooth person who's smoothly... I think it creates a mood of sensuality. Furthermore, the only reason I put this tape together was to help you. Look, your sister just had a baby. Now look at your sister and look at you. One's got a beautiful baby boy and one's got an overflowing kitty litter box. And they don't even have a cat anymore as far as I can tell. All right. Okay. Which one you want to be? Do you want a filthy kitty litter box to rock to sleep at night and pretend it's your baby? Or do you want a real human Gregor, baby? I listened to this after they left and I, I, was, I was horrified. I mean, how, how am I going to show my face at work after this? If anything, people are going to have more respect for you because they're going to realize you're a lover man. Hey, they're going to respect this? Care for another glass of wine? Go ahead. Have another. Have two. If you drink enough, you might forget this ever happened. That way you won't hate yourself tomorrow. And every day. For the rest of your life. And by the way, did you tell a friend where you were going? Maybe now's a good time to let someone know, just in case something bad happens to you. Like I'm thinking tetanus from that dirty glass you're drinking out of. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like a friend trying to help another desperate friend no, that past help. You were, you were purposely trying to sabotage my evening. You should never let anybody into your house. I told you that a hundred times. I'm just trying to protect you. So my evening was, was ruined by no fault of your own. Let me explain something to you, okay? It's a concept called false correlation. You're crazy, so you can't see the simple plain truth, which is that whatever tape you put on, Green Day or Rachmaninoff, it makes no difference at all. So this made no difference. Here, listen to this. This made no difference at all. Mm, now take a deep breath of Johnny's seductive aroma. You smell that? No, not that. That's the smell of cats. 
Johnny's cats. Actually, if you want to be fussy, it's the smell of the litter box that the cats use. I tell Smooth Johnny to clean it out more often, but does he listen? Of course not. That's because he's impossible. He probably even let you pay for the cab right over, didn't he? What's the matter with you, Johnny? Stupid Smooth Johnny. Gregor, when I came out of the kitchen, the only person who was still there was this 55-year-old bachelor technician guy named Russell who has pictures of his hamsters all over his cubicle. And he wouldn't leave. You know what I do if I'm having a dinner party and it's time for people to go home and they don't get the message? What? I show them the slides from the vacation you took to the Northland Antique Radio Convention in Plymouth, Minnesota. And you know what always the last picture that people see before they run screaming out the door? What? Is that one of you pretending to be a human antenna? That's the one. So do yourself a favor. The next time you have a dinner party, you have me there. I can entertain them while they're there, and when you want them out the door, I'll get them out the door. I know how to move a crowd. Wait a second. Is, is that what this is about? Is that what what's about? You're angry that I didn't invite you to my dinner party, and so you decided to ruin it. Okay, you know what you are? You're insane. I didn't think it was going to be something that would interest you. It was just for coworkers. Mm -hmm. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's an illness. You wanted to come to my house. You were about ten minutes out of being tackled by guys with a giant butterfly net and wrapped up in a straitjacket. Because you weren't invited to come to my house, you decided that you were going to ruin the entire evening for me. Do you know how many dinner parties I had that I didn't make it to because I was busy going to other dinner parties last night? You wanted to come to my Even dinner party. Even if you had invited me to your stupid dinner party, I couldn't have made it because I had like so many on the list ahead of me with other dinner parties. On Wiretap Today, you heard Patrick Friedman of the Seasteading Institute. You also heard Howard Chakowitz, Buzz and Dina Goldstein, and Gregor Ehrlich. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Birdwintonic and Crystal Duhame. Tune into Wiretap Saturdays at 1.30 and Thursday evenings at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Or subscribe to the podcast through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap, where you can also download the latest wiretap ringtone. You are one lucky lady, one fine lucky lady. Feel all pretty inside with every ring of your phone. <laughs>